What is up, Web3 and NFT family and community? It's myself, Jordan Reigns, at 50 Shades of Drunk. This is a Real Talk, a doxed podcast. I am here with a couple of friends of mine from the NFT and Web3 space, Payment Cash. And then you're not Dave versus Axie anymore as you were on your first foray into the show. Who are you now? So now I'm a disaster. Uh, <laughs> I, my own. <laughs> I am a disaster and uh, my name is Disaster. Well, welcome, Disaster. I guess we got a new face for the old Dave versus Axie. Um, Solana Summer has been tough on all of us. You know, identities are changing, things are crashing, things are going up, but we're still here. We are quote unquote building, perhaps, um, but we're at least examining what, what's being built around us uh, with a little bit of a critical eye and uh, hopefully a, a positive eye as well. Um, Dave, just quickly, can you update us on Axie? Because you were my first person I really talked to about it. I know a lot has gone down. Just a quick brief update. What's up with Axie? Yeah, so, um, man, Axie has had, I don't even remember the last time I was on where they were within the hack and everything else, but um, Axie's had a lot of challenges. And so they are making some progress to improve with origin that just launched and you know we have land coming hopefully by the end of the year but they've pivoted to how land's going to work and they did just add land staking so right now i'm staking my one land to to earn axs which is a, a nice little AP, apr um but yeah there's just not a whole lot to talk about i mean really it's just a transition that's going into origin i will say what i'm going to be streaming in an hour is um I, so basically axie has allowed and they're trying to create their IP to be a Pokemon Hello Kitty-esque IP where they have this one thing where it's all these axes. They're all unique. But ideally, your Axie unlocks um, access to infinite opportunities. And so they created a um, I don't, like a like a like a DAO, essentially. I don't even know what the best way to describe it is, but they're, 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 they're giving out grants to community builders to have this community building program where basically indie devs can go and get money from them to go build their platform or game that they want to create. And so one game that is pretty close to being released is now an alpha and like testing for early users is called Axie Doll or Defenders of Lunasia. And uh, it's really fun. Like I am addicted to it. And so um, to me, gotcha. like if that can work, there could be some really good burn mechanics created from it. There could be a nice play to earn model that could be uh, built into it too. And so we'll see how it all plays out. But I do think that is very fun. It's just not made by this guy, Mavis Team. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, there's your Axie update with the new disaster. And then payment cash, my guy, what have you been up to? I hear you're trying to get into the Chimpers community. Is that what the word on the street is? That is the word on the street is, yes. I'm trying to, with the help of Dave, hopefully I can make some trade, something happen, and get into the ecosystem. Um, nice. The project is really, really great. And it's, there's not that many projects that are very optimistic for the future in the nft space but i think chimpers is one of them yeah they seem like a really fun group on twitter um and their pfps and all that are really cool they seem like they have some interesting utility um and the entry price is still what is it sub two ETH pretty easily um and it seems like it's a great group of people over there in that community so hopefully you get in there safely and maybe i'll see you in there soon sure, let's go yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about a couple of things. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of happened in the Web3 space. We'll try to keep it as, you know, thoughtful as we can, but uh, just offer our commentary. You know, myself, I'm just a regular old guy. Uh, Dave here, he's an NFT influencer of, of the highest regard <laughs> these days. 
And then we have Payman Cash, who has so much life experience. It's unreal. The guy has seen and done pretty much everything. So we're just going to offer you some of our thoughts and comments on the things that have happened in the broader Web3 space. Um, and we'll kind of start with a big brain topic just in general. Um, we're going to just talk about the the kind of the incentive system that is in NFTs and what it really means. Uh, Dave put out a thread a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was like a week and a half ago about this. No, it was less than that. It was like a week ago because I remember this space taking yeah. place maybe last Thursday. But I'm going to read it off because Dave's throat was bothering him just a little bit. He has been a little ill. We are thankful that he was able to make it out here with us today, though. And then we'll hear some comments on he and from himself and uh, from Cash about what they think uh, incentives should look like and can continue to evolve into in Web3. So. All right, so this is from Dave, well, not Dave or Zach's anymore, at disaster underscore ETH. He says, let's talk incentives, specifically project incentives. On, on board Clint and Carson Turner's space last night, I brought up the problem that technically the best thing for a project in NFT secondary is NFT secondary sales. Unfortunately, this does not align with the community vision. When a project mints out, the normal plan should be that they can achieve their roadmap with the funds raised. If there are excess funds being raised via secondary sales, this in theory should all only cushion the project's wallet and allow for more activations in the future. From the free mint meta we have been experiencing, this converts all the funds <coughs> raised to secondary sales. This means the best thing the project can do is sell your assets at any price so they can scrape the 4 to 10% that they're going to get on the transaction. I believe established projects like Board Ape Yacht Club and Other Side Meta have realized that they make more money from flips. Well, why <clears throat> well, why would someone want to sell as an active holder? There are a few reasons. One, project vision is not aligned. So you're no longer aligning with the vision of the project. You might want to leave for that reason. Two, the sale price is worth too much not to sell for personal situation. So you have realized enough of a gain to where it makes sense for you to leave the project. And then radio silence was a third reason. He said they do not know what comes next. They're losing interest and they want to move on to something new, which is a normal part of human nature. Um, radio silence, in my opinion, is the most effective way to cause someone to actively leave a project they enjoy. The person may even take a loss when they have entered. Unfortunately, this does not matter to the team because they still make their share from the sale, loss or gain. So an even crazier approach was that of at Zagabon did with the Azuki official. Sales had slowed down. I believe someone was going to slander his past. <clears throat> he realized he could front run it and hoped his most loyal fans of Azuki would stick around. This was a crazy day if you were around in NFT history. Yeah. This led to a 38K ETH volume in six days. That is 60 plus percent the Azuki official last 90 day volume. At a 5% take rate and ETH at $1,200, this is $2.28 million bagged in six days. Not too bad for a down, you know, a bad situation. But let's look at the new approach by Doodles, the bucket auction. Um, and I'm just going to slow down here because I don't want to go go too much into it. But I want to kind of give you an opportunity. And I will link all of the the stuff I post here in the description of the podcast and in the description of the video. But Dave, what are you, I want to go again, just, you know, I've been narrating for a minute. What are your kind of thoughts and comments on this thread now that's been up for a week yeah i think it all still reigns true especially um as you start to look at the and i don't know if we're going to talk about the kevin rose moonburst thing yes yes um but if we do allude to that a little bit 
you start to create this model where for someone like it depends on what the goals are of the company. And so what I would say is if you look at a novice NFT trader, right? Say that I'm going to come in my very first day in the Web3. I go to OpenSea because I hear it's still the biggest you know, marketplace. You jump into OpenSea. What do you see on that homepage? The main thing you see is you see, okay, a couple spotlight collections, which maybe you could pay to be there or they're new. Um, otherwise, you scroll down and you find out you, you see the top 10 volume. And so naturally, I think as a person, you're going to say, okay, a lot of volume must be a reason that there's someone wants to buy all these things. And now say you watch it for a week. Well, you see in a week, Board Ape Yacht Club's always there. Mutants are always there. Uh, right now, other deeds always there. And then the other seven kind of fluctuate, right? Uh, sometimes it's punk. Sometimes it's something else. Personally, mm-hmm. I think that collections are starting to realize, well, I need to, I need to find some reason to consistently be there, whatever that is. And I think that, unfortunately, within the Moonbirds ecosystem, they realize, and I call this out early on, they initially set up their nesting project to be that when you nest, you get bonus rewards for being a long-term nester. If that you could, they said you could make it one time away to move wallets to go to like your hardware wallet, but they couldn't do anything else. Um, unfortunately, though, they said if you de-nest, you lose all your nesting rewards. And so I went on a thread and initially, like, this is the dumbest thing ever. So you're gonna tell me if I hold for a year, I'm like a platinum nester, and I now want to realize some profits. If I de-nest to go sell it, I now have a floor moonbird that has no nesting benefit because this is the way they set it up. So they realized that really quickly. And like a week later, he's like, oh, never mind. You can keep your nesting rewards. Once you've hit a tier, your bird will stay that tier. <laughs> and obviously, that just made the most common sense. They've now evolved. And I think that what they had realized, they were never on the homepage because it was only ever 100 listed. They might sell two a day. And so that's like 50 volume. They're not doing anything from a, from a, from a traction standpoint uh, because, again, the incentives are aligned with the staking and, and putting it away in a wallet, not with day traders. And so you removed a lot of that um, volume, a lot of the volume, but the, the desire of traders to come in and kind of flip because there wasn't this kind of healthy trading ecosystem. And even if I don't love my Moonbirds, that I had a pink one and I really wanted a blue one. I can't even try to play that game because if it takes me six days to do that, well, now I'm six days behind on nesting. And so there's a lot of challenges I think are created from that. And you see, I'm just, I don't know what the volume is today. I saw it was in the top 10, but you know, yeah, you're high. creating these secondary sales. And again, they shouldn't need the money, but what I think they do want is they want the attention. Yeah. And so there's, there's a weird dynamic there too, where um, as far as the incentives, like I've thought about um, if I were to create a project, I don't know if it's possible to build into a smart contract. But I was going to throw it out to people like, would you rather pay the five to 10% you pay right now in royalty fees? Or would you rather pay two and a half percent to OpenSea or whatever marketplace and then pay like 30% or 40% of any profit realized? And so what if you, because then if you lose, the only thing you pay is OpenSea. So if it's like, hey, everything does suck and I just need cash right now. Okay, you pay two and a half to OpenSea. I'm not taking anything from you because you spent 10 ETH and you're selling it at eight. Sucks, but it is what it is. Net net, you're still losing money. Now you might actually be up on fiat if ETH ran crazy, and maybe there's incentive then to do it. But I thought about that a lot. Like it'd be really cool to, to maybe have a project created that way that you know you only pay from your profits because I think it would change the dynamic as to how you're viewing um, the model of what's being created, right? So if yeah, you could flip it up, and you know, say you make 
0.2 ETH, you still got 30% of that, but you're not, it's only of that little bit that you're making in the profit versus I'm always giving up 5% anytime I do any transaction with this NFT. So really interesting thoughts as to how they could maybe realign those incentives. But for any project to really last long, long term, they're going to need these secondary sales. And it's a question like how much volume can you realistically create in secondary sales without having, you know, crazy hype or massive traction from bigger mm -hmm. that are rocking and um, using their PFP. It the really, it really just to switch gear, it really comes down to knowing how to continue to create revenue streams and cash flow whenever the minting process and the hype has stopped and you have kind of your established holders, customers, investors, however you want to call it. Cash, you had some comments on this. You posted a really good thread the other day. So I wanted to let you hop in here and kind of comment too about, you know, what Dave is pointing out and what his throw is talking about is, you know, how do things continue? Like selling is, you know, in the community-based model, you're supposed to stay. But if all the value comes from selling, what are founders, what are the people in charge doing or looking at to kind of continue to create revenue and grow and scale? And I think you're a great person to ask about scaling because you have a lot of success in industries that, you know, don't have to do with people being on Twitter. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's a million dollar question, right? I mean that's the that's the thing that I think Dave is pointing out to it as well. It's really hard uh, because there's a lot of I think a lot of people are learning from the founders, from the community members, from the investors. Everyone is just trying to figure out a way, a system. Because it, till today, everyone tried to kind of like copy because Board Ape Yacht Club worked. So everyone is trying to like imitate their steps, but they're not Board Ape Yacht Club. Like that is the problem. And for them to create avenues of income for themselves, other than like say royalties, right? There's gotta be another way for them. Like even if say, like I was saying in the third, if, in a web through, if I need money as a business, I have avenues of getting that funding somehow, collateral or whatever. There's different ways of actually buying time to be survived per se, till the market comes back because crypto, because you're not, you're not just dealing with NFT markets, you're dealing with crypto markets too. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a little bit more dangerous than say stocks or any other investments because there's things that are totally out of your control. The project could do everything right and the floor price goes from zero to 50, but the ETH drops 70%, you're in the negative again. Like you could do everything right. So it's really, really, I think is a, I, I look at it as very fun uh, times because I'm invested in the, in the industry, but I'm very peculiar in, a, in trying to figure out a remedy like what Dave just said was a great idea. Just like taxes, right? If you don't make money, you don't pay. But if you gain, I, Uncle Sam wants his share. And that's fair, I think. That's like a, that's like, I think that puts more pressure on the project to perform because if they don't, they're going to die. And I think that is what that is what's needed in this space is more credibility for the founders because they got away with so much shit in the beginning. Sorry if I used the bad word, but I think they got away with so much stuff in the beginning um, that right now, you know, it, the market is getting bare, the sentiment's getting bare, and people are actually start pinpointing different um, issues that they were not looking at before because they were so they were everyone was making money, no one cared. But as soon as the market kind of went on yep. a downturn. I think everyone is like zooming and finding out different avenues for that. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, 
Great, great, great topics there. I, you know, we both of you managed to not bring up IP rights, which are <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about because for a long time we've been told, you know, IP <laughs> rights are one of the benefits to holding this whatever particular NFT it may be. Um, and it seems like every day we're finding out that maybe that, that statement or that ideal is not uh, something we should be holding on to as tightly as we thought we should. Um, and in the broader in the broader space, as we we're told you can leverage the IP, you can sell the IP, you can license the IP. And these are all great grand concepts, but a lot of people at scale don't know how to do those things, myself included. So to say that that's a value prop to to, to customers is kind of tough. Um, but we, we did have a, a big moment yesterday. And it's, I don't want, you know, again, this is commentary on what's happening because the, the public sentiment on what we saw happen yesterday and is still ongoing. You know, we don't know what the overall, uh, you know, consensus is going to be on this, but a very large project as of yesterday removed their IP rights um, and actually moved to a CCO format. That is the, what is the collective commons? What is the right word here? I don't even see it in here. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong tab. I guess, sorry, guys. CCO here um, with Moonbirds. And so now basically what this means is that people bought a, an NFT where one of the primary utilities or perks, what they were told was the ability to leverage IP rights. And now that has been removed. What are your guys' thoughts on this move by the Moonbirds and Oddities team and Kevin Rose? And how do you think how do you think it's going to play out? You know, we're watching it happen in real time. Literally, I haven't been on Twitter in like an hour, so I've, we've probably missed the next you know chapter in this saga. But I'm interested. What are your guys' thoughts on this ongoing sort of narrative and discussion around CCO versus IP and what it means for the space as far as its ethos, its growth, and its trajectory and its infrastructure? You want to go first, Cash, or me? Um I'll say something, then I'll keep it short because I think you're more, uh, you have more wisdom than I do. But I have an experience because what I was trying to do, I, I have I'm investing in several projects. So um, one of the ones that I wanted to do wanted to actually go after the IPs, and I was going to start creating a CBD brand. So I actually went after this like with lawyers. I hired, I called you know US PAP, tried to figure out all the things that comes with IP. I contacted the founder. I'm like. Do you have, like, do I, know, do I need a paper? How, how do I even, how do I know that I own the IP rights to this token? He said, oh, I'm just telling you. I said, no, 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 no. The, the U.S. government <laughs> needs some documentation that for me to present that I own the IP rights to this NFT and they don't understand NFTs. Do you have any documentation for me? And he said, no, we just will not, you know, take any action upon you for using that because you actually own the token. And if you sell the token, then you lose the rights. I'm like, well, if I'm starting a business, definitely I'm not selling the token. But I want to know from like my rights, how can I protect them? And he just said, oh, we won't come after you. You can do whatever you want. And I said, okay, maybe that's the way. So I called the government and I got the lawyers involved. And even the lawyer was like, how is that possible? So we, we talked with the government agency and they said, the best way for you to actually trademark your IP rights is by actually having a transaction. So you create the project, you do the packaging, you actually do a couple of transactions, then you submit that to us. We will patent that as that this this token, this ID, this image, 
with this packaging is patent to payment cash. And with that, if anyone goes and copies, you can do cease and desist. So I was like, this does not make any sense to me. Like for me, it was just it's something that was very unclear. Even the government didn't know so what to do. So Dave, maybe you can clarify for us, please. Sure. So the initial IP side, um, so, so would you, why you shouldn't, what, what project was that? Quirkies. Oh, okay. So what it should be is that the Quirkies are going to have a TOS. And so if they don't have a TOS, that TOS in there should say you own the IP to all the art. And, and it was, art was done um, and owned by uh, Finch One, which has then been paid for through the Quirkies organization. The Quirkies brand, which has its own trademark, has given full IP commercial rights to all of its holders of these NFTs. Then your proof of that is the blockchain. And so as long as a TOS exists from the company that has that initially had the IP, then that's yours plus the blockchain should be your proof of ownership of said IP. Um, that's kind of step one. Uh, where it evolves though is within CC0. And so why the Moonbirds thing? So, so the, the big clarification there, Jordan, is that Moonbirds did not take away, uh, or Kevin did not take away Moonbirds holders IP. They just mm -hmm. gave the IP to everybody. Okay. And so what changes now is like, you can go back to Quirk, or even Board 8, right? So if someone uses my mutant on a packaging, Yuga could go sue them for using my IP as like a partnership brand and they wanted to cover me within it. However, most likely Yuga's not going to do it. So in order for me to uh, fight that, I have to then choose to do a cease and desist from my own because I legally own that mutant ape that someone's stealing to make art or t-shirts or whatever off of. With CC0, what the change is there is that actually um, anyone can now go do that. And so from a brand, so so like what you saw from, um, oh, I don't remember his name. It's like Latrox. But what he was working on with his glitch, uh, he, has, he has the glitch Moonbird. I think he minted it. Mm -hmm. He had a six-figure licensing deal I've been working on for months to utilize the glitch Moonbird. The company that was going to pay him six figures does not need to pay him any money anymore to go use the glitch Moonbird. So why would they? So the ability to license your Moonbird is now gone. Because you, there's no reason for a company to pay you because you don't, it's, 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 uh, it's CC zero. So it changes the way in which, um, and then we can talk about that. You just pulled up there too in a second, uh, but it changes the way in which your actual ownership is. So, so all that you have right now is essentially you own the actual Mona Lisa, right? You own the Mona Lisa in your wallet for each Moonbird you own. However, for every time that someone puts it into a history book or every time that someone puts it on a t-shirt or every time someone puts it anywhere else, you have no legal right to go after them because they're using your art. It's just that you own the original and hopefully other people see value in that in the future. And now that pivots and some people have talked about it that like if Moonbirds becomes this massive brand that grows and evolves and Kevin can somehow rocket ship this thing up, maybe it doesn't matter. But there's a, there's a unique part there too if you want to scroll up Jordan, yeah, which one? On number 12, 12. Uh, that he pointed out. Um, it says, while CCO, CC0 does not cover trademarks, we're excited to announce the upcoming format formation of the Moonbirds DAO. Um, but essentially, the uh, 
trademark means that so why Moonbirds 2 got taken off of OpenSea is because it used the name and the brand image of uh Moonbirds. But if they did not use that, those two things, so if they called it Skybirds and they used say the original Moonbirds logo, but it was pink and it had like a different and just had anything else on it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Skybirds underneath it, it would all be legitimate. And OpenSea would not have taken it down because it is CC0. And so that's where they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Like, but at the same time, there's no there's no reason to own those either because why would you pay for an NFT if you have the art for free? So if you want to go make a brand tomorrow with Kevin Rose's Moonbird, you can. And so like, you can go take his Fire Moonbird right now, go slap it on a bunch of t-shirts, call the brand Firebird and just start fucking ripping shirts doing whatever you want with it. And there's nothing else. That's nothing that Kevin can do for you. What's the advantage of this move? Okay. Great question. And so why I think, I, I think Kevin got caught up. So there's two, there's two reasons why people think that he did this or they did this one AI and, and AI birds was a great example. And I heard that there was a great show earlier, coffee with um, coffee with captain where they were talking about this. And I was, I was, I was on the show, but they were talking about how, um, when AI Moonbirds came out, Moonbirds only went to them and said, "Hey, change the name. We don't give a shit." But the Moonbirds holders were like, "Hold on!" They literally just took every Moonbirds and their ID number, ran it through a Nature AI thing, and then put it on the blockchain. So if you had Moonbird eight one four four eight one four four in AI Moonbirds was the exact same Moonbird just in a Nature AI filter. And so the person that owned that one is like, fuck, like they've sold and made royalties off of my Moonbird. I want to go collect those royalties. Moonbirds proved at that point, they didn't give a shit. They're like, whatever, we're not, um, we're not going to go fight that battle. We're just going to fight our trademark battle because we care about our brand. And so there was already kind of a weird province there. And I think they started to realize there was going to be more and more of these that they're like, fuck it. We're just going CC zero because we're not fighting all these legal battles. And they're only going to fight after their trademark and their brand. They're not going to fight off of all the art that's been derivative from it. So where does this evolve to be a net positive, right? And so um, the guy, Grant Yun, do you know who Grant Yun is? Sounds familiar, but no. Okay. So Grant Yun is a uh, digital artist. But you, when you see his art, you'll see it. it, it it's very, it's almost like a um, simple uh, typically kind of nature paintings were like they're 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 grants yun y-u-n um y-u-n sorry yep sorry um and so yeah grant ribbon yun there you go and so you can see like his cow thing on, up there it's like it's that that the the painting that actually is of the cow the original one it's just the same green color across the square and then there's this cow in the middle of it and that's it and so you can see up top, like the neighborhood one, that's his banner. That's another example of his art. So it's very simple, but you know exactly what it is. And he's, he's become really popular. But his style is obviously, you know, you see a Grant Young, you kind of know his style. So he's here's a great example where the artist that's been one of the original artists that has done this for a long time, he can become, obviously he's not a Pepe guy. Those are just, <laughs> just gifts. Um, but he's he his, his art style, you can even go like to a super rare is probably the best example if you click the link in his bio. Um, but his style can then become CC0. So all of his art then becomes CC0. So if you want to own the original Grant Yuns from him, you can. However, it now allows anyone to go make derivatives of it 
because it makes the artist Grant Yun popular. And yeah. so if you want to own an actual Grant Yun, it makes sense. Like the same thing happened with X Copy. He went CC0. Makes sense. If Gremlin did it, it would make sense. So if you're truly an art artistic visionary where you're doing, you have one artistic style that is very apparent when any, whenever anyone looks at art, like, oh shit, that's a Grant Yun. Or, oh man, that's an X Copy. Those are the right people to be doing CC0. Because now it allows anyone to go profit off of his style. But when someone wants to go find the person that created that style, it's Grant Young. Same thing with like a Picasso, like or a um, Shepard Ferry with yeah, the, uh, the Obama and the change, you know, the right. Or the Warhols, like with, with the soup, like you have all those things where it's like, once you know the artist and you, and you can tell that art, you're like, well, if I'm a collector, I want the artist art. I don't necessarily care if it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't want the derivative. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I want to buy the shirt because it's cool and I'll pay $10 to the or $20 to the guy on the street for the for the Grant Young lookalike. But if ultimately, if I'm the collector of the art, I want the art. And so yeah, you can see the cow. The cow is the best one because yeah. it's literally just like it's literally just uh, the same green block with this cow in the middle of it. But it's, it's just amazing. like amazing. It's, it's so good. And so <laughs> to me, this is where CC0 makes a ton of fucking sense is if you're an artist and you're unique in the way that your art is derivative and, and, and derived. Um, it does not make a lot of sense in my opinion. Like, <coughs> excuse me, for the CC0, it's it's a terrible move for a branding strategy. Unless if all you care about is a top level brand and not the IP holders. We're like, Bored Ape is trying to have, hey, all you apes, go make cool shit with your apes. And that'll raise the entire level of the brand and the recognition. But all of you should be utilizing the IP that you own. And so that's the worst thing that happened here is that they don't have any IP anymore. Like if you're going to take a day in New England, you're not going to go like sell that to someone to put on shirts. Like you're, you're not going to go whatever, start a brand logo with it. Like it's just not going to be anything. Unless you're going to Yankee candle to put that on a day in new England, it's probably not going to be a thing. And so, but for the, for the ape side or for the Moonbirds or for quirkies or for doodles, like that's exactly what you want to do, right? You want to create this guy that is you, or like if you're creating like this, a podcast and you want to recognize yourself as a digital identity, um, your digital identity, you don't actually own it. But if you, but like, if you imagine your, your, so a great example, the probably the best way to put this in perspective. If you own your IP, if you're Kevin Durant, you own everything that is Kevin Durant. No one can copy and ripped off that. When you don't own your IP and like the NPA goes CC zero for all of its, all of its, all of its NBA players. Well, now anyone can do whatever the fuck they want with Kevin Durant's name or LeBron James's name and they can put it on anything. And so that's kind of the, the, the key difference here. Like, Moonbirds sold it as if like, oh, hey, you can go create whatever brand you want to be. You can go be the Tiger Woods or LeBron James with your Moonbird. And then they're like, nah, never mind. You're just going to be a part of this Moonbirds ecosystem. And yeah, now you own the original and that's pretty much it. So it it, it killed everything that comes back with the IP that it's brutal. And there's a huge, you know, and that's the kind of the broader conversation is, you know, it's all so far in my experience, IP rights are always something people talk about leveraging, but I very rarely see leveraged. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like all these people up in an uproar. But I've seen one person who's been financially affected with a deal. And I'm sure the guy who's financially affected by the deal is probably going to make other deals with other NFTs. I'm sure he's going to be fine. So I kind of wonder, you know, see. And it's CC0, right? That's how you... Okay. Sorry, I'm a little dyslexic sometimes. I'm sure you guys heard me in the earlier part. But um, it makes you wonder why more people don't are not more into the concept of CC0 because it seems like that's kind of a, a Web3 
thought process, you know, uh, an open source um, peer to peer sort of network um, where rights and ownership and turning the lights on and off were purposely built this place where things like that are not supposed to be necessarily celebrated. And it, so it's curious. And Kevin kind of mentioned that at the very end of, you know, what he said, it was kind of a, you know, I mean, call it flower power, whatever you want, but I'm, you know, maybe, you know, rose colored glasses on, but it resonated with me as somebody who's kind of been around the web three space for a while. And like, you know, it really is just like, it did start out with a bunch of libertarian Bitcoiners, you know, buying drugs on the internet and guns, you know what I mean? And like, and it wasn't really, it was about, it was about that idea of decentralizing and going kind of out and it's come to a kind of a corporate ownership, create businesses, create brands. And those two things are they seem like they're very much at odds in our space right now from a narrative standpoint and from a financial standpoint and from a platform standpoint with OpenSea being somewhat centralized in what they choose and choose not to do. Um, but I, I'm interested, Cash, what are your thoughts on the, on, you know, do you really think that IP leverage is something that's going to last as a useful utility or are we going to see more of these brands or companies switch to this this idea of raising the entire brand by not giving one or two people rights over one thing, but giving a, a collective rights over everything? What are your uh, thoughts on that? You know, just as a just as a more of a meta conversation, it sounds like you. Yeah, the question that I actually want to ask Dave is like, do we really have IP rights? Like PFPs? Do really have IP rights? Like, I won't, can I jump in there real fast too? From my research, how can you have, how can you allocate centralization on blockchain? That's what it means, right? When you own the NFT on a blockchain, you own the token, right? So if you want to put on a blockchain a centralization, which you have to say, hey, this blockchain is owned by Jordan or it's owned by Disaster, it's owned by me. So you have to centralize and decentralize. Am I wrong? Or can you please someone explain this to me? <laughs> you go, Jordan. Well, you know, if I, as somebody who's involved in like the whole writer rips type of thing, it's interesting because his whole concept is you can't copy an NFT and what you're buying is a token. You're not buying an image. You're not buying art unless it is very, 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 very explicitly spelled out to you in a certain fashion um and i think i don't i don't know what the right answer is but i will say that combating ip right now like i'm not scared at all dave i love you but i wouldn't be ter i wouldn't be scared at all to go co right click copy all your stuff and just make things with it because i don't necessarily know that you're going to come at me like that you I mean would it hurt your brand or would it help your overall brand or your sales? So, and it's like, and even if you did, what kind of firepower would you come with that? It's, there's a lot of people that seem to be scared of repercussions, but I'm like, what are the repercussions? You know, I, I have a hexed rider rip ape and I'm still here. You know, the Yuga guys haven't come and taken me. No one's, no one's come and given me a fine. And it's just very, and it makes me wonder what's the point of having these kind of rules or talks about rules if there is no enforcement of them. And again, it comes back to the structures of the whole space, which is kind of, it seems to me, kind of ambivalent. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So there's, there's, there's a couple questions there. From a, do we really own the IP? That depends on the TOS. And so like you saw today, or maybe you didn't, but Azerbala, which is Jenkins Valet, 
like official PFP that will come from their yep. um, stuff. Azure Ball just came out and said, hey, we have an irrevocable IP okay. ownership to the I'll people that, that own their PFPs. That is a very big distinction. It doesn't sound like a big distinction, but it really is into what um, your ownership of that IP is. And so what that means is that in any future sales or endeavors, they, they cannot revoke this access from you because of the initial TOS and the terms that you had. You would at that point have a lawsuit available to all of the holders of Azerbala to or Azarian PFPs to sue the new owner because they revoked that from you. The crucial difference here is you do not have that right in Moonbirds. Moonbirds had there in their disclosure that they were able to change these rights at any time based on their own discretion. And so, like, so I heard some people on the Moonbirds space say, like, oh, I bet you there's going to be some lawsuits coming up from this. And, like, there might be lawsuits. They don't really have a light to stand on because it says that they can change these. And so that's a huge difference there, too. Technically, board apes do are, are in that same camp where they could pivot and change them, too. Um it is a little bit concerning, um, but I think really at the heart of it, it's it's more that um, what you don't want is you don't want to have this CC0 uh, ownership model because you don't really own anything. All you just own is the proof of ownership of the initial one that now has full you know availability to be used by anyone anywhere. The fact that you're right, Jordan, I'm probably not going to come and you know, have repercussions to you if you go and use all my NFTs into whatever brand you're going to create. That all comes to a point though, right? If you're making a thousand dollars a month, it's probably not worth it for me to go to a legal team, do a cease and desist, take you to court to come get my royalties. You're making a hundred thousand dollars a month. It is a hundred percent worth it for me to go and claim the right to my IP and my royalties. And that's a key fucking difference. Cause for Moonbirds right now, when you're making a hundred grand a month on my Moonbird, I can't do anything anymore. Like that is gone. However, if you do that with my if you do with my ape, I can come and take those rights back. And there's a part there too that's really important because you're right. Um, it, it's also understanding like why is Rider Rips and BAYC? Um, why what's the lawsuit about? The lawsuit is actually around trademarks, um, not around IP theft. And so for them, they're coming after them for using their logo and using their name beyond anything else, not because I think that they still believe that once it's on the chain, you own the rights to your like that proves it is the that is the original Mona Lisa, right? You're, you don't have mm-hmm. a copy. whereas yours is clearly proven as copy. Board Ape is coming after from that standpoint, like, hey, okay, it's a copy, but like at the same time, you can't be stealing the trademark of our brand. We're going to defend it at whatever cost, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the key difference there. But I think that that's something, again, like I'm okay if people were to use my, you know, apes or um, doodles or whatever, because it will help grow the validity of me owning that asset as a as a thing. Um, but obviously that all changes if everything were to go CC0, because at that point, there really wouldn't be much of a reason to own something. Um, and that's well, where, again, the artist side, I think it does make a lot of sense. I think it's really cool. But yeah, I don't know. Again, it circles back around to if, if it's if ultimately we're buying access, then the most important thing theoretically should be the token, you know, and so that it kind of it's we feel like it's been a kind of a circular talk to some degree. And again, I, I want to express we don't have the, all the answers. We're watching this happen in real time with you all and thankful for anybody's comments or, you know, things that they have noticed in their communities, their NFT spaces, um, any projects that they kind of like or are 
you know, just we're, we want feedback. We want information from anybody and everybody that hears this and sees this. Um, and what are your all thoughts on that? Um, I don't really have any other big brain topics. We went over the, the you know, the, the we went over the IP versus CCO, a little bit of the news. That was the big news, really, was the the transition. We're watching that happen right now. I mean, it's been like, what, 24 hours, maybe. Uh, so we'll see how this all plays out in the public eye as well as the financial sector and legally. But um, what, any other topics you guys want to, you know, cruise over for a little bit? I, we have a little bit more time. Um, I'm going to talk about ask, I want to ask Dave a question. What projects do you know have that TOS? Um, I know Board Ape has a TOS. Uh, I know Doodles does. Um, obviously, Azerbala does. I bet Azuki um, does. I don't know if Azuki does or not. I'd imagine they do. Pretty much anything that's like legitimate <laughs> should have a TOS. I'm shocked Corky's doesn't, honestly. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense why they wouldn't want to have a TOS. Um, that might just be a mistake or uh, an oversight from them in setting it up. But yeah, I think if, if actually, that's probably a pretty good assessment point is if you're to evaluate a project, if a project doesn't have a TOS, it's probably not worth your time investing in because that means they don't really care about their own brand or their own IP or your IP. If they don't have an actual terms of service to explain what each variable of your ownership rights are and their ownership rights are. So yep. might be worth looking into and understanding that um, and something to, something to to harvest into further, but like CloneX does too. And so like, I think a lot of those things that like are really legit that, that are trying to protect things in certain ways will definitely have a TOS because they don't want certain things to happen, right? And so like Doodles is not fully open. CloneX wasn't for a while. They now kind of are, but they are, but they aren't because they still can't do certain things like competing against Nike or... Like there's still some things you can't do, even though they say it's open and full IP. So um, yeah, I, but all of them are mostly just on their website. You should be able to find their TOS. If they're not directly on their website, um, it would be through a link within their Discord, I, I would imagine. Uh, does CoolCast have TOS? I would imagine CoolCast has TOS. Oh, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, that's, that's the thing, because I keep seeing tweets by you know, uh, I guess I'm a holder of Corky, so I can talk about it. But I'm just saying, like, I see those tweets from Centropos mentioning the IP rights. And then again, I, I, I'm just dumbfounded because I don't, when I contacted him personally, he just said, oh, we won't come after him. Like, do you have any piece of paper that I can see, that I can have, that I can show the U.S. government, my lawyers, I want to build this brand off this Corky PFP. And... He said, just go ahead. We will, you know, we'll support you. And I, I was a little bit confused. I have noticed that as well in certain projects. It's, you know, again, with the IP, it almost takes the it almost takes the responsibility of the project from any way, shape, or form off of the people who created it and suddenly puts it onto the people who have bought into it. Now you have to add the value. Now you but but it's all borderless and limitless. You can do anything, you can build anything, but like people need structure, people want limitations, you know, people ask for that. And if you can't direct them to that, it really be you know, it's um there's a word for it. When you have too many options, you know what I mean? You just kind of get it's like when you sit there and you scroll Netflix, you never pick a show. You'll spend there 16 minutes, 18 minutes. That's a half a movie, not picking something, not taking action. So I think that uh, smart and thoughtful founders and brand aware people know that you people want structure. And if you have a community and you have people in your community that 
are capable of things, they're, it's like a coach. You can't just throw somebody on the field. You have to say, stand here, do this. We know you can do it. We want you to do it. Uh, so I say leadership is something we could look to. And again, there's indications of good and bad leadership. Are terms and service there? No. Okay. Are they being updated? Like maybe they weren't there day one. Okay. 14 days in. That's fine. Whatever. 30 days. Cool. 90 days in. Where are we at? You know, are we, are we taking this seriously? Are we moving our project forward? Um, and are there indications of that happening? So these are things you could definitely keep an eye out for. It looks like Dave just sent me the terms of service for cool cats. So I'm going to pull that up on the screen here for us because they exist. And that's, let's take a look at them. Yeah. And so like, it, it's, it's again, through most of the websites, you should be able to find it, but I just pulled it up in whatever, 30 seconds. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it's actually a pretty interesting thing to consider because I think if you, because unless, and, it, and a big part there too, is like, if they're just like kind of copy pasta from someone else, then maybe that's not a good sign, but I would assume that if they actually have a, a terms and conditions, then uh, they're taking at least their branding pretty seriously. Yes. And that, that's, that's an indication, you know, uh, again, of, of health and expected growth, anticipated growth. You know, you want to have, again, even, I mean, I'm not a super smart, you know, organized guy, but I would say if I wanted to scale, I would make sure that I had some structure to keep things going a certain way. You don't want to just go in all directions. You know, that's, that's chaos. That's not control. That's not, um, that's not intention. That's more of a, you know, riding the wave, I guess. But Anywho, um, interesting here. Looks like I know Cool Cats have their sort of, I mean, the floor price is the floor price. I don't even think floor price is such an important conversation anymore either because, again, we have to build something worth buying the floor. You know what I mean? Like, what access do I get? A conversation I think on our next show, if you guys want to come back on in the future, is platforms and like where NFTs take place. I think right now that's one of our big issues is we have the tokens. But we don't really, they don't really truly give us anywhere to unlock or activate things. You know what I mean? It's very, very siphoned into certain individual places. I can't just like log into Netflix and it just like knows, okay, well, I have a non fungible film. So I get like a certain library that no one else gets. Token integration and NFT integration into the platforms we're already using right now, I think is kind of the, the big missing, um, big missing thing right now. And I, I think we're going to get there. Um, I think it's going to be guys in conversations like us, you know, keeping the keeping the ball rolling, whether it be a good ball or a bad ball. Um, just keep it bouncing. We'll we'll get there. You know, it's we're in the we're five minutes into the first quarter. Okay, there's no problem being twenty points down right now. We just got to take it seriously. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Payman, what do you want? What do you you got any final comments here? I feel like we're. Not... Uh, I think Dave has to go right. Uh, three ten. Yeah, three. Dave's got to go keep the Axie boat afloat. For the cause for the culture keep influencing those people out there you know how it goes yeah i'll keep we'll keep yeah, on influencing yeah uh, i don't know when you have time to redo, redo this maybe we can do about different projects that we're in together or we're in together or, um, well I, we, I know you guys were talking about chimpers earlier i don't know if you've made a, a deal while we've been working here or not but i know we're all in quirkies together at least um bokey i think are you guys in bokey as well I I have two left. I have a Boki. Um, maybe Quirky's is our only cross project. I'm also I have a Rider Rips B A B A Y C. So I hope hopefully Dave doesn't ghost me all of a sudden. But 
<laughs> I think Dave's cooler than that. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not. A, I'm obviously not a fan of the RRBAYC. I just hate Ryder Rips. Um, yeah, he is not like a good person. I don't want. No, I don't think anybody's confused themselves with that though. <laughs> no, I mean I'd rather be flexing NFTs I actually own mm. than things that just kind of like are fake owned. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's um, I think Chimpers is really strong, and and I think that like the the one of the few things that Chimpers did. I think Chimpers is going to be a lot like Jenkins a lot or maybe the other way Jenkins is going to be a lot like Chimpers. Both of them are actually derivatives of Board Ape Yacht Club, but they've been building and selling NFTs for over a year now. And it was slow, slow grinds where they created lore and comic books or stories. And so Jenkins did kind of like the writer's room where you could start doing licensing and doing all this stuff. And then, and then Chimpers had done like, Hey, you can put your apes kind of in the, like this little story we're going to create showing the apes doing things IRL. And, um, then they're going to relaunch and then from all of that derivative and creating this community and um engaging kind of the board Ape community they are now going to end up creating their own pfp and so that is where chimpers was born and that is going to be where azerbal is born and so i think for me that is a really bullish way to kind of come into the space um not necessarily the derivative is the right way to go because that maybe isn't for many um but they use their IP to then create this community to then grow. I would say more of the ideology that um, you can start as one thing to eventually become the PFP. Like everyone thinks you got to go PFP first, then everything else. I think a lot of the projects we're going to see come out in the next whatever are going to go a different way. And they're going to go from a, you know, whatever, a box or a key or whatever it is to eventually then become um their pfp and so they want to kind of and it'll be a slow grind i think what nouns now did was super smart and like how they're just slowly selling nouns and you know letting the floor price become the floor price it's the same thing i think a lot of other projects are going to start looking into is just how do we slowly build a community um without oversaturation to eventually get to a point where we want to kind of like all right we are now x and that's where kind of Chimpers was TBAC, which TBAC stands for the Board Ape Chronicles. Like it's, it's, like it's <laughs> and so we went from the Board Ape Chronicles to now, okay, we are planting our flag. We are the Chimpers. And so I think that to me is like a really cool transition into going from, all right, we were as a derivative, we're making cool things kind of for and with the community to now we are our own separate entity. Like I think another I example that. is similar is going to be Paper D Studios. I don't know if you know them, but they did hmm. an NFT called Board to Death. Um, and they've done five derivatives. Uh, and you've probably seen the derivatives before. It's like they do the fat ape. They do the saluting ape. They did like a crypto ape. And so you get all these derivatives for owning the NFT. But there's only 100 of them. And they have like a two or three floor right now. Um, but you can see that, it, again, too, like if they were to, um, if he were to want to make his own project, he has 100 invested people already that have already had some value from him. Um, but he started as like kind of a much more organic community through utilizing kind of the board ape uh, side of it. Hmm. Cash, um, speaking of community and just keeping the conversation going around, you know, utility. I had a, a tweet pulled up here earlier, but, you know, is community more important than utility? Here it is. Uh, as coming from the Quirky's project where we all met, where everything, you know, the, the community is the utility. What are your thoughts on this as a sort of a meta? Do you think that the that the community as the utility can really make it. And if not, or if it can, you know, probably not in the iteration it is now, what kind of,
kind of tweaks or thoughts do you have about, you know, growing community and making sure communities maintain a high level of value for the people that are there? Well, I think community, I guess, is us, right? We are the customers of the project and we get along. We, you know, we spend valuable amount of time, amounts amount of time in spaces, onboarding people, telling other people about the project, liking, retweeting. Um, but that can only go so far. I think that I think one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life in the past year or two was from Steve Harvey. He said loyalty has an expiration date. And that is exactly the case when it comes to community, because it comes to a certain point that people just get tired when they see there's no connection with the project or they're not getting acknowledged, recognition, rewards. They're like, I'm putting 50 hours, 60 hours a week into this to build this community. But like, I don't have any benefits from it. The project is not going well. I don't have open communication with the founders. Um, I don't see any added value. I like. For me to be a listener and for me to be a host of a space really makes no difference at the end of the day in my in my life. Um, so it's like you have to find ways. One of the things that really irritated me with all this stuff, that's the reason I can kind of shift to Boki. Uh, uh, I'll bring this up a little bit. But the reason I came there because I was invited to help advise and build a community. And when I went in there, um, I've just noticed that it, I was like, if you want to build a community, you have to start rewarding people that host spaces. You have to give them something for them to be intrigued in doing this. Because first of all, this is a real job. It's a 24-7 job. Like You kind of have to say goodbye to your IRL life and be on Web3 space working to make this project grow. But what are you kind of benefiting? Like If, if the guy who's holding your space is 50 hours a week, and needs a cell phone, you know his iPhone is broken. I don't have to tell the founder, hey, ship him an iPhone. Like, this is something that it's so, like, I just don't understand. A lot of people talk about Web2 success, but it seems like all of those successes, they forgot and they didn't bring none of it to Web3. And that is the thing. So I really think there is a huge problem with that. And I think the utility that they keep talking about, I haven't seen many utilities. Uh, from any NFT project, I really don't want, how many hoodies do I need? I mean, I'm in Web3, I want digital assets. You know, give me a whitelist to, uh, what is it, Chanel, what was that Nina Chanel uh, art? Give me a, give me a whitelist to projects like the artist you told me, give me, give me digital assets. I can't travel and go to parties or IRLs. I'm behind yeah. a computer. I think this is something that it's really, really needs to be discussed a lot. I think you're, you hit it right there on the, if our community takes place online, the rewards for the community need to be online. IRL events are nice, but that's not, nobody, that just is a complete disconnect from what we're actually doing. So I think that you're, you're right. The community needs to be rewarded where they are, which is online. And, I don't and, know, the, digital people assets. Actually, and the people that are actually doing the work, like, <laughs> You need to watch out for your people. This is you need advocates. You need advocates within your within your projects for sure for the people who you know and make sure people are getting taken care of. But that, that's a that's a founder issue. That's not for us. But, to but the thing is, like the community is putting money into the team. Are they getting any of it? Like how? What utility is that? That's that's just something that I just don't understand. Um, it's I don't yeah, know. That's it. 
it's really, really focused on very well in Web 2, in successful Web 2 businesses. And it seems like in Web 3, they totally cancel that out. Hmm. And it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I would only add there too for the community side that as um, how how the how you engage in, within the project is crucial from a founder side. Like a great example of Chimpers, like I'm in the Chimpers VIP chat. It's max at 75. It's kind of similar how everyone did the, the Quirky's chat early on. Um, but the mo- one of the most active people in the Chimpers chat is every day is Timpers, which is the founder of, of Chimpers is in there every day. And if we do a space, he's not in every space. It's in a lot of the spaces though. Um, but he's engaging within the community. And like, so like I had an issue where some other guy, uh, basically I defended Prez. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I defended yeah. Prez a little bit, but also didn't just call this other guy. And he blocked me because he blocked me. I, I got kicked from my Chimbers VIP group. And I was like, well, this sucks. Like I'm a big holder in Chimbers. I'd like to still talk with the Chimbers holders. So I, I DM Timpers and I was like, Hey man, I don't know what happened. I don't know if you saw what happened, but like, Obviously, I'm still a huge supporter of Chimpers. I don't want to like lose that group. That would kind of suck. Mm-hmm. And he immediately responded like, hey, I'm not sure what happened. Let me try to figure it out. I'm not that good with like Twitter or whatever. I was like, all right, no worries. And But anyways, he was really engaging and helpful. So I think like it's also, uh, and I think another part there in the cash on that side that's really interesting is how you got pinged to go help become a community lead in another project. It's so funny how certain projects don't value their current community and the, and what they have for free. When other projects are like, hey, I'll give you three ETH to come do the exact same shit you're doing right now on our community. So I can have you like working for us and working with us for the next month or two or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it, it's just it's mind boggling how that is sometimes the case. And so we see that. Um, a lot right now we're just you're just not focusing on what the community is and so i think that community can be great but to your point like loyalty can run out but it's like where does is how is the community being utilized is yeah. a huge question there too and like a lot of it is with um like the ape side a lot of the ape community is not actually true community it's a lot of subset communities but it's a mutual respect amongst other ape holders and so like none of us, when I, you know, when I had a board ape and now I only have a mutant, but like none of us have ever kind of said that we had to do certain things or you have to support everybody. And some people don't like each other, but at the same time, like collectively, we all are very supportive of the board ape yacht club. And then individually we have our small subset groups. We made connections with different people for different reasons. And so that's a very unique part when we talk about community, like what does that actually look like? And yeah. Like if, if someone wants to come and join with us, oh, if they have an ape, it's like, oh shit, yeah, you got an ape, like come join us. Or like for me, it's also been with doodles or like for a long time with CyberCon holders. Um, I still have one of those. And so like it kind of always depends on what you're evaluating and like how you're measuring what that community kind of is. But I think a lot of it also does go back to like, are you, and I talked about early on in the quirky spaces, like are you using the PFP as your profile picture? That's the easiest way to identify like I am in this community because it's again, if you have 10 NFTs and you, you only can choose one to be your PFP. And so the one you choose is the one that, you know, should be the community that you support and want to rep the most. And so that's kind of a way you vote with your PFP, you know, just like you vote with your wallet. And so, um, yeah. Hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for your guys' time. There's a lot of good projects out there. There's a lot of projects still finding their way out there. We are still finding our way in many ways. Um, Dave, since we last talked, you are full time now in the Web3 space. How's that been been going good? Uh, I'll be candid. Like, no, humbly, it's been uh, it's been tough. Um, So 
I am launching the investment fund. And so that's still going. Um, we're like officially starting to raise this week, which is great. It's been like five months of just lawyers and banks and a bunch of other BS that just, just takes a long time. And so that's super exciting, but obviously tough market to be raising money in. And so we'll see kind of how that plays out. But yeah, I think the tougher thing is, is like trying to find mediums to make money on. Like I don't ideally want a full-time job, but especially if we only raise say five to $10 million, it might be, it might warrant and be more flexible that I can have a full-time job. And so for me, it's trying to figure out what that right medium is. Like, do I go invest in myself and go back to content? Do I go back and try to do something in the web two space? Do I try to find a web three company to work with? Do I try to work with more projects? And so for me, it feels like a lot of opportunities are out there, but it's just either dialing in the right one or finding the right person to talk to. So I think the challenge is right now, I'll be candid. Like right now, the challenge I think on, um, a lot of the space and how they're evaluating things. Like it's very hard to convey your skill set right now. And so like I come from a long line of like 10 years and like merchandising and retail and shit like that, um, that like can look good in certain sides, but I left that company in, at the end. So I've been out of that company now for about two months. On the inverse side though, my web three is like 18 months of being in web three. But like, I can say I spent like 2000 hours plus studying all the shit in web three and like engaging everything and active mm. in crypto Twitter and discord, or whatever. It's very hard to prove that without like, Oh yeah, I was a community manager for this. I did this. I did that. And I can say I helped things, but it's very hard to not show without a job. And so I'm in this weird little medium too, where it's like, how do you convey that? Like, and then a lot of places, like even in web three are like, Oh, like send me your resume. And I'm trying to share like, Hey, here's my Twitter. Here's my still show my LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. like, here's my YouTube. Here's my NFT NYC talks. Like, there's other ways to present it, but it's also like, do they take the time to actually look into those? And I'm trying to also push, like, just have a call with me. Like, if you have a call with me, I'd be shocked if you didn't want me to help whatever, work on whatever you're working on. And so that's a very weird thing that's going on right now with me personally, is trying to find that way to have, um, be it income or just you know, another way to make money right now in the space. Because um, I don't want to necessarily just sell out and like, I have a lot of, it's because I'm in the game space, I have a lot of games to like, hey, can you tweet this? We'll pay you yeah. or do this, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that honestly, that's a challenge. So if anyone is listening to this or um, wants to talk about that, uh, let me know. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I mean, like you said, your reputation, you know, it's kind of hard to quantify that into a single page or even an email or, you know, it's, it's very robust, you know, especially in Web3 where there's so much. Well, um, yeah, and I, and I probably have like a thousand people on Twitter that would back me in an instant or hire me in an instant if they were in a position where it's like, hey, I need someone to do this, like, like come help me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to like convey that in some other medium. And like some people are super successful in what they're doing or whatever, but they need more people hands on or like local. And so it's a very unique time in that too. It's just like how to, um, you know, I have a lot of, you know, as you said, like I was labeled an influencer, but there's, there's like, there is, I think a lot of people that have come to me on the side or even in space have been like, wow, like that was so knowledgeable and helpful. Please come more often. Or, I appreciate your insights and all this and that. Um, and it's just like, how do I make money off of that? It's like, yep, yep. there's that into a company or into a consultancy to do more of that. And so I have the consultancy on the side too. I'm trying to do more of that too, but it's like also trying to convince the web two companies to bring you in again. It's like, how do you prove that on a track record or a resume to be like, Hey, yeah, here's yeah. how I'm going to help consult with you. So yeah. it's uh, what, a lot of learning, but whatever yeah. happened to the tax uh, endeavor, the tax business? I thought you were doing. Web oh, we're still doing that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically, that's my best friend from forever. Um, yeah. So he, um, we're still doing it. Um, basically, 
I won't make much from this year. Um, we have it set up where basically he has a fixed salary. Anything beyond that, we split 50-50 um versus like me taking like royalties for consulting and sharing people and so he filled those books um for this last year and so i have plenty more clients than his way but he doesn't have any room for them and so we're debating like do we hire more people what are we going to do and so like he's hired on a couple of part-time people to help just you know do simple excel shit um and so yeah so that's still going good but that's cool. like that's not going to be uh, a game changer right now maybe in a couple of years but not right now we're building these are the early days you know we gotta lay the pour the concrete before you can even pour the concrete you gotta get the backhoe out you gotta dig everything out get everything level but we're still we're still in that part of it i think we're i think web 3 is in good hands between the three fellas here plus other you know ladies and gentlemen out there in the world um we're gonna do our best you know so this is you know real talk uh docs podcast uh for web3 and nft i'm joined by payment cash who's been here before and by disaster formerly Dave versus Axie, his second foray onto the show as well. Really good conversation. I hope every I hope people found value here, found something interesting. We'd love to hear from you. Comment, talk with us. All of our links will be in the description of all of this. But I think we're gonna get out of here for today. Hopefully, these fellows will be back soon and we can talk some more fun NFT web three stuff. Maybe focus in on different topics, different projects, different anything. So um, thank you guys for your time. Uh, any final words, cash or uh disaster? Thank you for having us. Yeah, I appreciate Excellent. it. Awesome. Thank well, you. this has been a good time, guys. Until our next meeting, uh, take it easy. <laughs>